I'm watching a Lego airship fly across my desk right now. Thanks for joining the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is John Cheney from SeekXR. I'm really, really excited to have John on the show. We, uh, we traveled all through China together, pitching to rooms full of uh, Chinese investors, and then it's been an amazing experience. John is the CEO and founder of Seek. They're a leading provider of web-based augmented reality for e-commerce brands. I just found this out about him. He's a composer as well for films. SeekView is his web-based AR product built for e-commerce brands. They've won several business competitions, including Pluralsight Live, where they won $50,000. They've announced some really big partnerships with Walmart and Lego and some other stuff. So we'll get to that. But if you want to learn more about John and the work they're doing at Seek, it's seekxr.com. John, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks so much, Alan. Great to be on the phone with you today. Oh, I'm so excited, man. It's been a, a minute since we got to just talk and hang out. We had a great times in China, and since then, you guys have done some amazing work. Talk to me about what you guys are doing. Like, I, I saw some things from Lego and Walmart, and you're building 3D visualizers for big companies. What's going on? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been quite a journey. Where we are today is uh, way far away from where we started. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of people in the XR industry that could probably chime in with similar stories with this industry that changes so fast. You got to be ready to to move with it, but. From the very beginning, we've had one overarching goal that actually hasn't changed. Um, we wanted to make augmented reality easier to find and access and make this a technology that uh, was more accessible. And where we've landed is in web-based AR. And there's obviously hundreds of use cases for web-based AR, but where we've really decided to focus is on the e-commerce realm of things. And you know, you're talking about Walmart, and Lego, and those are a couple examples of some of our recent partners, but uh, but we're really focusing on that e-commerce and retail sector because there's just huge benefits when a customer, right, the end user is able to use this technology to see a product that they're considering purchasing, whether it's a little Sono speaker or a new couch or a new shoe or whatever that is, to be able to see it in your space, in your environment. And, and kind of have all those questions answered that you don't really know until you get the product typically. It's just a huge benefit. And so because of that very obvious benefit, it's taking off in a big way. And we've been fortunate to, to work with some of the big, big companies out there at this point. So you've created this, this web-based AR visualizer. Walk us through, like, I'm on a website, I'm scrolling down, I see a product. I'm like, man, that's really cool. But I don't know if it's going to fit in my living room. Maybe it's a couch. We'll just use a couch as, a, as an example. I don't know if it's going to fit. You can press a button using the camera on the phone. Now it'll project that couch into your space. Is that what I'm... That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about what we're doing here is it's appless, right? You don't have to download the Amazon app or the Ikea app or whatever. This can happen right on any browser on Chrome, on Safari, Android, iOS. It doesn't really matter. We've kind of worked on building out this ecosystem so that you just tap on this link or this button and it opens up the camera. It measures the environment in a really quickly, and then that object appears in its true to size, right? And so we're using a lot of the technologies that Google and Apple have been working on, the AR kit and AR core and things like that, of being able to measure the room around you and then be able to engage with it and start to interact with it and start to answer those what if questions without without having to, you know, order without having to answer them at all. Yeah, exactly. Without even having to ask them. That's exactly right. It saves it, it, it speeds up that decision process for the consumer. They're more likely to buy it. And on the back end, because they made a more confident purchase in the beginning, 
there's a lot less returns too. So it saves problems from the, from the buyer's standpoint, as well as the brand that doesn't want to have to deal with, you know, return products in that whole process. What are some of the companies that you're working with? Can you talk about specifics? Yeah, sure. Again, I'll talk about Walmart for a second and then I'll talk about Nestle. I think they're an interesting use case as well, but Walmart is obvious. They have 300 million products and the task of getting 300 million products turned into 3D objects is something we get to talk about a little bit, but really they just focus on different categories, right? Obviously furniture and uh, home goods, things like that are an obvious starting point for most stores, most retailers um, that sell lots of things. But, uh, but where we started with them actually was with Lego. Lego is a very visual product. It's a very fun product. And Lego has actually been kind of an innovator in the AR space for uh, a long time, for five or six years. They could go to their Lego stores. They have iPads, tablets there where you can you know, see things come to life. And, and so they've been doing a lot of really cool things, but they have a lot of problems around the deployment of that. It's really, really difficult to update apps and iPads break and things drop. And, and, and there's a lot of just kind of forcing it, right? And, and so we've worked with them to make the experience much, much easier. R really what Seek does, the best, easiest way to compare what we do is we're a lot like YouTube in terms of just the hosting. With YouTube, you upload a video to YouTube and they give you a link, right? And then you as the video uploader, you don't have to worry about which devices your content is compatible with, right? YouTube takes care of that. They make sure every screen out there plays that video right? Because that makes their service more valuable and it's a great service to you. And, and so we do the same thing with 3D models, right? You upload a 3D model to our system and we give you a link, right? And so because it's just a web link that then works within a browser, you can do all kinds of things with it, including accessing it from a QR code, which is one of the ways that Walmart and Lego are doing it, right? You can obviously access it on walmart.com. You can try it out. I think it's a walmart.com slash Lego, and then just click on the see it in action button and you can try it out, right? Um, and then there's a banner there that says, see it in action. You can click and play with any of those things. And so if you're on a mobile browser, you can try that out. If you're on your desktop, you'll see it work in 3D. But then in store, right, they just have QR codes right next to the products, right? It says, hey, here's this new Star Wars set. Scan this QR code to see it come to life. Boom, right? And so you click it and your camera opens and, and there's a 3D Lego set in front of you with the AT-ATs walking around, ATSTs walking around and shooting things. And it's pretty cool um, to, to have that come to life. So that's a really interesting use case because it's working, of course, on the website, but also in store, in retail, right? And so that's a really cool crossover. I think that AR can be used to enhance that in-store process because while it's cool for Legos, Think about that from a furniture perspective, right? You're going in and you say, hey, you know, I like this couch. I sit on it. I like it. I'm at the furniture store, but I just don't know if it's going to fit in my house. And so the sales rep says, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Here's a link. Why don't you go home, make sure it fits. If it fits, just push this button and we'll complete your order and send it to you. That's a really cool use case to combine this online and offline experience using a very, very easy to use simple technology. Nestle is, is pretty interesting. They actually started working with us originally to help their sales reps, right? They, they sell Nescafe machines to convenience stores and grocery stores, and they have end caps where it's like, hey, here's this Kit Kat aisle end cap in a grocery store. And so they have sales reps that go around, they have tens of thousands of them all around the world that go around and sell these things. And up to now, all they do is say, hey, here's a picture of the latest thing, but with Seek, they're now able to say, hey, here is exactly what that new Kit Kat end cap is going to look like in your grocery store, right? 
how many of them do you want, right? And they can leave a link with the store manager and, and it just becomes a, a much more immersive process. And so they started, they started out there and it went really, really well and started growing. And now due to some of the new partnerships that we have that we brought to the table with Google for them, we're enabling some of their content through Google AR search. Now they're moving that to their consumer facing website so the customers can see what a coffee machine looks like in their kitchen before they buy it, right? So it's, it's fun to watch even progression within a company of, and, and the different use cases they find with our technology. I'm watching a Lego airship fly across my desk right now <laughs> and land on the desk and there's like a battle going on. Is that like the Avengers one? I have no idea, but it's so good. Hold on. It is the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers one. So cool. Oh man, you got to try this walmart.com slash Lego and then see it in action. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a, I, I don't know about you. When I was young and I was building Lego sets more often to have this available, you know, let alone from the, the benefit that, that there is from that e-commerce perspective, but it's just fun, right? I mean, kids love this stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's really fun. I love it. And it may, you point your phone and it basically puts a little flat plane and then drops the Lego set in and you can zoom all around it and it's animated. So the, the Lego people are walking around. There's a girl on a horse right now. I'm trying a different one. It's just incredible. Dude, this is amazing. How easy was that? What do you mean how easy was it? I pressed the button and it worked. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Pretty damn easy. Right? And compare that to where we were just a couple of years ago. Oh, you want to see this in AR? Okay, that's fine. Here's the app that you download. Go ahead and do that. And maybe you have to create an account and you have to go find the product again and figure out how to get to the link. And this just... Boom, tap it and it shows up. It's so much fun. I'm going to post a little video of it uh, tomorrow on my LinkedIn because this is so much fun. Well, how do you deal with then, I, I guess the question becomes with Lego, for example, there's maybe, I don't, I don't know how many you've got in there, but let's say there's 20 sets. You've animated them, you made them in 3D, but how do you deal with the fact that they have 300 million products? Yeah, Walmart is uh, a, a very interesting one. Another one of our customers is Overstock and they're very similar. And we're much further along in the process with Overstock. We're fully launched with tens of thousands of products with them. And ultimately it really is impossible for one organization to say, Hey, we're going to tackle even a hundred thousand products. And that's very expensive, prohibitively expensive for most people. And for Walmart to take on even a fraction of their 300 million products is crazy for Amazon to take on Walmart has 300 million products. Amazon has 300 million sellers. <laughs> yeah, Amazon's got 1.4 billion products. Yeah, it's crazy. And how do you deal with that, right? And uh, I know that you've done some work in this area, Alan. And, and the, the point is, I think in the long run, it's going to have to, I, I think that phone technology, scanning technology is going to get way better. And you're going to be able to do it just with a handheld device that's in your pocket all the time. Yeah, the new Samsung 10 does it. Right. It does it, but it's still not quite there. It's pretty good. Don't get me wrong. It's good, but it's not perfect. It's not retail quality. Exactly. It's not to where Walmart's going to feel like, oh, I can put that on my website, right? We'll get there. Yeah, I, I think honestly, it's going to be solved with AI, to be honest. I totally agree. Yeah, having, having studied this uh, exact problem quite a bit, mm -hmm. I know that it's going to come down to AI algorithms taking the six photographs that you already have on your website, front, back, left, right, top, maybe the bottom. If you don't have the bottom, just put a black bottom. Yep. And now you got a 3D object. Totally. I mean, I've seen early attempts at this and, you know, they work for very, very, very basic things like a box or a chair, but it's not even close to where we need to be. But I think give it another year and I think we'll be there. Yeah. A year, two years, three years, however long it is, it's not very far out. Right. And I agree that the way to really scale it is to automate that. Uh, but in the meantime, what these retailers are doing is saying, you know, Overstock says, Hey, um, 
suppliers, it, we now are, are enabling this 3D or AR technology on our website. Here are all the benefits. It increases conversion by 80% and it reduces returns by 25% or whatever the numbers are, right? And then they just say, hey, if you want to be in, send us your 3D models, right? And so that's cool. But the problem is, as, as you probably also know, there are literally hundreds of different variations of 3D models. Even if you take the same OBJ or FBX file type or GLTF, <laughs> one of these extensions, there are tons of variations within that. And they don't all work. Some of them are too big. They're missing. You have to create a standard for them. Exactly, exactly. And so part of what Seek has done that has allowed us to scale up to work with these really large scale operations is we have built that automation that can take any 3D file and spit out the proper version on the other end. So what is the version that you guys are like, what is it? Is it a GLTF on the back end? So yeah, there's a few things that we do on the back end. Um, one is a Draco file, one's a USDZ, and one is a GLTF. And then we have a couple other ones that we use um, and that we're playing around with, especially for things like Magic Leap that we're working with and some other kind of newer file formats that, uh, you know, we just want to be able to support them. But the point is we want to be able to have the whole process be automated, right? Upload 5,000 3D objects, and then our system goes through and analyzes them and figures out all the inconsistencies. And on top of that, another piece that's important that we do is it compresses the file down to where it's under two or three megabytes, where it needs to be to be used at a consumer level, right? You click on those Lego sets and you see how long it takes to load. It's not very long at all. It's really fast. But if it was a, it, it, I can tell you this, when Lego sent us those files, because Lego actually created those animations, we didn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, we just enabled the technology, but when they sent us those, they were 150 to 500 megabytes each. And that's just completely unusable. That's why they have had to, up to now, preload them onto an iPad or something like that, because you just can't have the consumer depend on some sort of 4G or LTE. 5G would maybe would maybe handle it, but we're not even close to being there on a large scale. So they needed us to come in and say, hey, let's bring this down by a factor of 100 and then make this available to our users. So that's where Seek has really been able to shine is in that processing and dealing with thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of 3D models and preparing them and getting them ready. Um, and then of course, that's not to discount the technical challenges of, of supporting all of these platforms. Let me ask you a question. Speaking of supporting all these platforms, yeah. does your web AR platform work on Chrome on an iPhone? Yes, sir. Really? It does. How do you open the camera on Chrome on an iPhone? You know what? If I were the CTO, I might tell you. But I'm not. I don't know how to tell you. But yeah, try it. Try it on Walmart's thing right there. You go in Chrome, it'll work. It should work. Amazing. So yeah, that's an important thing. I mean, tomorrow is the Apple event, right? It's the big day of year where we're all saying, okay, what's going to happen next? Are they going to talk about AR glasses? How many AR startups are they going to put out of business? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when, they, when they come out with their new AR kit 3.4, you know, what are all the new features that are going to come out with? So yeah, I mean, there's there's really cool things happening there. But one of the things that they did, they actually changed the way that they handled textures in iOS 13 here. Anybody that doesn't know and doesn't hear this today, which they're not going to, that doesn't know that that's happened, every single model that they are hosting in USDZ file format will fail. They will all be broken and they'll have to go through and fix every single one and adjust the textures and redeploy all of their content. Um, and so that's another big problem that we're solving for brands that work with us is Overstock can't keep up with that, man. They can't, they can't say, oh my goodness, we have to reprocess and recreate 50,000 pieces of furniture and 3D objects related to it. And knowing that it's going to happen and knowing when it's going to happen that, oh my goodness, as soon as people upgrade to iOS 13, all of our stuff breaks. But 
For Seek, we just update our installation that's on these websites and, and, and we're, we're updating the, the backend system, right? Just like if YouTube all of a sudden supports some new device, you know, you don't have to re-upload your videos, right? YouTube just transcodes it again and says, all right, or fixes the player and makes sure that it works. And so we've done that. So all of our customers, um, as iOS 13 comes out, they won't notice any difference. They won't even know what happened. They won't even know that we saved their bacon, right? Um, but we learned about this only about a week ago, actually. Wow. Scrambling with a couple of our developers to say, all right, let's put in some fixes that will that will make sure that the entire ecosystem that we've built of hundreds of thousands of 3D models across dozens of major websites across the world don't just die overnight. Big problems, lots of change. And again, it's a fun uh, problem to tackle as we as we try to help this become more democratized. I love the the work that you guys have done in such a short amount of time too. I mean, when we were in China, it was about a, what, a year and a bit ago? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little less than a year and a half. Yeah, and this was on the roadmap, but I don't think it was, uh, it definitely wasn't at this point. Correct. No, we launched this almost exactly a year ago, September 15th. And it's grown just at an incredible pace since then. Amazing. So what are some of the, the actual numbers on ROI? Like how much does the 3D model cost to make? How much does the platform cost? What is the ROI on this? Is there an increase in sales? Let's talk Turkey here. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the end, that is why we chose the e-commerce field. That is where the most demonstrable ROI is. You can just run straight Google Analytics and say, if they used AR, what was conversion? If they didn't, what was conversion rate, right? And, and the numbers are pretty astounding. So just to speak, we'll, we'll start from the end and then I'll go backwards and talk about some of the costs and how you get there. But, and I, and I, and I can't share specific brand names, but we'll just say a large retailer. Insert large retailer here. <laughs> Insert large retailer here, that's right. So uh, we work with quite a few, but one that we've done about $10 million of testing with, right? In terms of not $10 million to us, but $10 million of sales measured through them is 150% increase in sales conversion. 150% increase. That means if they were gonna sell $400,000, they actually sold a million dollars because AR was used, right? If AR is used, sales conversion increases by 150%. On the flip side, on the back end of that sale, they're measuring currently a 25% reduction in sales returns. So the savings on, on just both of those numbers, on each of them individually, right, are just absolutely um, immense, right? The ROI is very, very demonstrable. You know, Seek charges based on tiers, right? So, you know, maybe if you, if you have a million views to your website a month, then 10,000 a month or something like that, right? Just depending on, that those aren't exact numbers, but, but that's kind of how it is. It's just a consistent SaaS model based on different tiers, based on how big your website is and how many product page views you're getting and how many, how often the seek service is being called or the seek view service is being called. And then on, on the front end, yeah, there's a setup and then you have to, you have to also have 3d models. If the company has 3d models, occasionally we need to, we need to have them pay us to process them. Maybe they're in some crazy format or like their CAD files, which are just ridiculous to deal with. I'm sure you've done that before. Oh yeah. But depending on that, you, you, lots of times if they have 3D models, they avoid a setup cost altogether. But if they don't, then we can create them. And it just depends on what the 3D model is, is up, right? If it's of a table, then you're talking lower $100, $200 per model. Um, if you're talking a Harley Davidson, right, it might be a little bit more than that by, by a factor of 10. 3D model creation, depending, it, it, it all depends on the quality, right? 
Do you want PVR? Do you want physical-based rendering? Do you want it to be super high quality? It doesn't mean does it need to be cinema quality. <laughs> we received a CAD file one time of Bumblebee from Transformers. And it was like literally the file they used in the movie. Oh my God. How big was that? Four gigabytes, man. It was <laughs> crazy to deal with. And they said, can you guys get this down to like two megabytes? <laughs> so we had one of our developers spend three weeks on it. And we got it down. Yeah. So that's fun. That's not quite a manual process yet. Um, hopefully in the future that gets more automated. But we do that very, I mean, that's very rare that we run into something like that. Most of the time, people are sending us files that are 15 to 30 megabytes and they've got great textures and then we can, we can reduce them by a factor of 10. Pretty straightforward with our system. The cool thing about what we've done, you know, if you go to our website, you can look at pricing, ckxr.com. Even if you're a startup, you want startups to have access to this too. I think our startup pricing is $79 a month. You can have one object, maybe two objects, and we're pretty flexible with our startups, right? If you've got five objects you want to upload and enable on your website, great. Let's make it happen. But we want people to, to be able to show off their product and sell more, right, as a startup and to, and to have access to this new technology. So we can work with the small business, the startup, and all the way up to the biggest companies in the world. That's amazing. I think that's really great. And I think you're, I don't know if you guys have plugins for Shopify yet, but I mean, there's a whole market there of, of smaller companies that now with things like the Samsung Galaxy S10 or whatever it is, the one that has the scanning capability. Yeah, right. If you sell, maybe you sell 10 products and creating them into 3D is not that difficult. If you now have this, this phone device, it'll take you some time and it's not as easy as just taking a picture, but you spend a bit of time, you make a nice 3D model. Now you've got 3D on any website. Like, democratization of it. Yeah, that's so awesome. We want every eBay listing, every Craigslist listing, you know, we want it to be so easy that anybody can do it in the future. So we're trying to build that infrastructure out to be able to handle the big and the small. It's just, it's the, it's the future of shopping, right? I mean, this is, this is not just some cool fad or cool thing. This is the future. Look a little more into the future, you're going to have holodecks, right? You're going to have holograms and you're going to be able to do things in a whole new way. You know, the next step between here and there is, is wearables, right? Apple glasses and other things like that will come out. But this is the new way to do it. It's, it's 2D pictures, while, while they do have their place and they're not going to go away completely, are not going to be the ultimate visualization that you, that you fall back to on your shopping online um, in the very, very near future. Wow. I... If you project out a couple of years, let's call it five years, because I don't think it'll be longer than that, but we'll be wearing glasses. And I predicted this a little while ago, and, I, and I, it was part of my presentation in China, is that every product in the world that's sold will need a 3D version or a, a, a mirror world version. Yep. And I still stand by that. Every single product in the world will be converted to 3D in the next 10 years. Any company today that is creating new products, like for example, a furniture company, if they, so right now, when you when you onboard a new product in a, in a product company, you need a description, you need pictures, you need all the links, you need to develop a product page. Anybody that isn't including build 3D model in that process right now is just shooting themselves in the foot because all the other companies, all the other furniture companies that are thinking about this are, are going to be there, right? And they're going to be the ones that win. If I, if I go to a website and Ikea and Wayfair sell a lot of the same products and Amazon, right? There's a lot of furniture companies out there that sell on multiple retailers. And if one website offers me this premium experience where I can see the product in my home and the other company doesn't, and the prices are the same, right? Take, take all else out. I, I'm buying from the one that gives me more information. No question. Yeah. And it's not even information. It's, it's just 
being able to experience the product in a very natural, it feels natural. I mean, AR, we talk about augmented reality and this and that, and it's just opening the camera and dropping it in into the real world. Let's get rid of the titles of AR and XR and all this crap. It's just a better way to experience the product in the real size that it's going to be. Yep. If you look at Snapchat, they're the biggest AR company in the world right now. They're using the most AR and not once ever did they mention AR. Yep. Never. They probably had a, <laughs> from down on high, that said, do not ever mention the word AR because mm -hmm. you never see it. We get caught up in the technology speak and forget that the, the rest of the world doesn't care. They just want really cool ways and impactful ways to shop. Definitely. And we've tried to avoid using the word AR in any consumer facing content, right? So on Walmart, on Overstock, on the, you know, it's all, it's view in my room, right? It's see in my environment. It's, view in my room seems to be the best phrase, but, but yeah, using those terms that make it feel just really natural. I completely agree with that. You know, I think we're just hitting the, the very, very beginning of this. It all comes down actually to tracking. Tracking is the technology that really Seek is working on and focusing on right now as the next step. What do you mean? Right now, ARKit and ARCore are pretty dang good at tracking flat surfaces. Mm -hmm. They can track the ground, they can track a wall. And that's about it, right? There's some face tracking and some other things in there, right? But as trackers get better, and quite frankly, I hope that Apple and Google come out with them so that we don't have to. Me too. It'd be a lot easier than us building everything. Hand tracking for jewelry, you know, foot tracking for shoes, body tracking for clothes. I believe that the biggest AR industry for e-commerce at least will be for clothing. <laughs> That's the hardest one too. Oh, it is. It's so hard. There's so many pieces of the puzzle you got to fit together, right? You need exact measurements of that clothing. You have to get exact measurements of the shape of that person's body. Then you have to track it and put it on and have it look real and feel good. And there's a lot of issues with it, right? And I think we're still quite a few years away from a really the future of shopping there, right? But when we get there, clothing is shopped for way more often than furniture is, right? Or than appliances are, what a lot of the really good use cases for AR are right now, right? If you're shopping for a hot tub, yeah, super helpful to see what that's going to look like in your backyard before you drop 10 grand. But <laughs> you just don't make that purchase very often, right? And so the number of clicks that are happening, the number of engagements that are happening just aren't very high. But how often do you shop for a new shirt, right? Or new shoes or a new hat, right? I mean, it's almost every day for some people. And so... When that technology gets to the point where that is really um, true to size and really accomplishing what it's supposed to and letting you see what's this going to look like, the, the clothing industry actually suffers the most from returns, right? It's upwards of 40%, right? Because people buy it, it doesn't fit, they send it back. Yep. And it's horribly difficult for clothing companies to deal with it. You, you know, what are you, you going to do? You have to, all your competitors are offering free returns and free shipping and all these things. You, you have to jump right in or else they're going to go to your competitors. So I, I'm really excited about the future in, in that regard. I think that all the trackers, you got body trackers, but then what about a car tracker, right? They can recognize, oh, those are the tires. Let's switch those out. Or, oh, those are the windows. Let's tint those a little bit. Let's see what that looks like, right? Let's change the, that's the body. Let's change the painting, the paint job here, right? But you need to build, somebody has to build a really good car tracker that can use AI to recognize all the different parts and be able to accurately place a grill where it's supposed to go or headlights where they're supposed to go. We're essentially going to need AI to be able to recognize the track and then interact with using the 3D objects to be able to see what they look like on 
everything in our lives. You know, I actually saw a demo of this exact thing at the PTC Liveworks conference. It was incredible. They held up an iPad. It recognized the 3D shape of, a, I think it was a, um, it was like an ATV. And then it, it captured the shape, kind of, it, it gave the outline and you lined up the outline with the thing and then it locked in. And then I could add things to the machine. I could add like fenders and extra lights and running boards and it was nuts. And it was like adding it on as if it was like right there. So awesome. Oh, dude, it, it was amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is it. This is the future. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have the ATV tracker, right? And that's great, right? But there's just thousands of products where this can happen, right? I mean, there's so much opportunity out there, right? For anybody that might be an entrepreneur listening to this, looking for an opportunity, figure out how to do that. Pick something that you really care about where there's a, a decent industry size. Yep. Mine's learning, man. I'm going after learning. Yeah. Education is just, I mean, we, we had an opportunity to, to do something with a nonprofit this year here in Utah for the Transcontinental Railroad. It was the 150th anniversary of the railroad being connected from the east to the west here in the United States. The, the crossroads of the west is, is, is one of the nicknames of Utah because that's where it connected. And so you know, just about an hour and a half from where I live here um, is, is where that happened. And and so we got to recreate the golden spike, right? The spike that went in and the trains that met the big boy train and these, all these cool things. And even a, even a, an AR version of Abraham Lincoln that, that people got to see. And so then that then got pushed out to all the schools here. And we had over 15,000 children that just on one day, all using the technology, we could track it and all of our analytics and everything. Right. And, and kids all over the state of Utah were able to bring history back to life and experience this in a way. I mean, these trains, this big boy train was literally just the engine, 60 feet long. It's huge. And so they'd have their class take an iPad and go into the gym in the school and spawn this train right in front of them, right? Have it just appear. And then they just go walk around it together. And they got to look at this train as if it was sitting right there in the gym. And so, I mean, there's just, education's awesome, man. I love that you're, that you're tagging. That. Yeah, it's funny because originally when we met in China, we were basically working on exactly what you guys are doing. We were down the road of e-commerce and our, our ultimate goal was always to build a new education system. But I also realized that the e-commerce side of things was a way to fund that. Yep. And so we were going down that road and recently we, we just decided we can't walk on that line. We need to just focus on education. We, you can't do both. And <laughs> we tried to do both and did, did everything poorly. So now it's, we really have to focus and we're really focused on the. You have to choose one, right? I mean, that's something I think both you and I have learned in this industry is, yeah, there's a lot of AR agencies out there. As a company, you can go to them and say, hey, can you build this custom thing for me? And they'll say, yep, mm -hmm. sure great for the company. They get a, they get a nice custom product, but the problem is the company that built that custom product for them is going to fail probably in the long run because they're not going to be able to sustain their business with project-based work, right? You have to build a sustainable business model and focus on one thing and do it better than everybody else, right? That is really the only way to build a business really in any industry, but in this industry, especially you can't just say, yeah, we'll build anything you want. We have gotten really good lately at saying no. But hold on, let's go back a, two years, let's say. Yep. You guys were building everything for everybody. Totally, man. We, we had a platform and we were trying to build our vision of the YouTube of AR, right? And this, you know, platform for consumers and at the same time, taking all these projects on. And that's just impossible. I learned something uh, recently from another company in Toronto here. They're an app development company. They do basically websites and really complicated apps for banks and stuff. Yep. And then they spun off this side project or the side company. It was totally separate. 
And they said, okay, we're going to build our own products because sick of building products for people. We're going to build our own. So they siloed everybody off the development team. And what happened was they were starting to make products that were making great progress. Some products failed, but it was like a, they were working on everything. The problem that they had was as they got these big projects, a million dollar project comes in and they're like, okay, we need all hands on deck. And they pulled the people away from the products to work on the projects and mm-hmm. all the products just failed yep. because now you don't have the team working on it. You, t- you just took the team away from what they're working on to work on somebody else's problem. I know. Yeah. And I, I learned in that one conversation, I was like, oh my God, it makes total sense why we've had such a struggle. We just basically put a kibosh to that immediately. <laughs> you got it, man. It's been, it's been a journey, but we're excited with where we've gotten to here. You guys are doing amazing. The future's bright, I think, for both of us. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing with XR Ignite and supporting the whole ecosystem. Thank you. Of course, for your education product. And, you know, everything that's going on there and would love to support you in whatever way we can. Well, I, I truly appreciate that. I mean, this is, this is a small world, this XR world, and it's getting bigger by the day. But I think one of the things that I've really noticed in doing these podcast interviews is that almost every single conversation out of the entire, maybe 99% of them, training and education comes up. Yep. And it may be my influence, but I try not to influence the conversation, but it comes up because it's something that I think everybody realizes is going to be a big challenge for humanity. This is a problem that we, IBM released a study this morning that says more than 120 million workers will need to be retrained and reskilled in the next three years as a result of AI and intelligent enabled automation. 120 million people in In three years. Same article. It's absolutely insane, man. How do you do that? I don't know. I mean, I have an idea. I have some ideas too, right? But bringing those to life quickly and, and then implementing. The problem isn't isn't so much that like, I know we can do it, but can we do it in three years? <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. with it. That's why we're raising a, an enormous seed round. And it's like, when I presented this to an investor, he's like, that's not a seed round. That's a series A. I'm like, it may have been a series A in the past, but this is a seed round now. So get used to it or get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nuts. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me, Alan. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. I'm so glad for all your successes, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing you again. I'll pop down to Utah, and we'll uh, we'll have dinner. It'll be great. Oh, great, man! Yeah, come down. Let's ski this winter. Ooh, done, done. I'm a snowboarder though, so don't hold it against me. That's fine. We'll go to we'll go to Snowbird or Park City or something. Let's make it happen. Amazing. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This has been John Cheney from SeekXR. If you want to learn more about the great work they're doing, you can visit SeekXR.com or what I would suggest, checking out Walmart.com slash Lego and play with the Lego sets in AR on your phone on web. Holy crap, that was amazing. Thanks, John. Thanks so much, Alan. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community 
that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game, and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.